Introducing the amazing iPhone XS you'll love on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. It's the perfect way to stay connected to those you heart most. Fall in love with iPhone XS on T-Mobile. And right now, trade in an eligible iPhone and you'll save $300. Visit a store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE. If you cancel service, remaining balance is due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. $279.99 down plus $30 per month times 24. Full price $999.99. 0% APR for well-qualified buyers plus tax on full price. Allow eight weeks for rebate. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. No tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. Fairly alarmed here. <laughs> Welcome to MOTN Reviews, that is Masters of the Nerdiverse Reviews where we look into some of the shiniest cinematic supernovas of the Nerdiverse and some films that are not so brightly lit. Um, Try saying that five times fast. (laughs) Um, You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, and iHeartRadio. If you like what you're listening to, leave a like, leave a comment, and maybe subscribe. I think you'll like what's going coming down the pipe going forward. I am extremely happy to welcome back to the show, Beer Business Bureau's own Darren. What's up, guys? What's up? What's up? What's crackalacking everyone out there in TV land, as they would say? Were you a Nick at Night kid? Yep, sure as hell was. What was the one show that you remember like falling asleep to like every single time? I think Clarissa. Ex- no, not Chris Explains at all. Uh, that was on prime time at the time. Um, what was it? What was a Nick at Night show? It, it was all old shit. Like, I remember, yeah, like, um, like Green Acres, for some reason, sticks in my brain as falling asleep, too. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea why. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, no, I have um, no idea why. What was a Nick at Night show that I used to... I don't know why, for some reason, I keep wanting to say Chris explains it all, but... That's what's up, man. Uh, oh, well, I, I used to watch all that, actually. Yeah. Nick at Night. Um, all that. But that was what's up. And hey, dude. Hey, yes, dude. yes, 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 yes. Oh, we're um, dating ourselves, but I don't care. Hey, this, those are good times. Old age comes fine. Wait, with fine, with old age comes fine wine. Yes, and in that wine are little particles. Yeah, sulfites of, of the sulfites <laughs> that you're drinking. You don't care because you're sloshed. <laughs> oh man, speaking of having to be sloshed, let's talk about the film we're going to be reviewing. So we're, this week we're going to be reviewing a cult classic, and I I I really put emphasis on cult classic because it actually show was showcased at the Sundance Film Festival, I think, um, way back when, yes, like in two thousand uh, or two thousand one, and it didn't catch on very well um, theaters, obviously. No, it didn't, and it, it was a bomb, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, it, it just it wasn't released very. It wasn't widely released at the time. And then by the time I started picking up steam, like it was like people were over it. But it's a it's a blessing and a half that it actually did bomb in the theaters because right. it became a, a super well renowned movie. This um, is one of the first DVD darlings, yeah. would you say? Right? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Um, it just it just blew up, kind of like the Big Lebowski. Yes. Same thing. It's a DVD darling, whereas yeah. it's one of those things where it was so ahead of its time mm-hmm. that. And I saw so much of other things in this movie. Yep. We're going to get into that. Um, that are, are direct representations of this film, which were the f- was the first to do it. Yep. 
this film was was debuted in 2001. Yes, 2001. Ooh, that was a beautiful year. Yeah. Um, directed by Richard Kelly, mm-hmm. one of his only films, funny enough. He has a very short filmography. Yeah. And I find it very fascinating that he kind of... He, I haven't seen his other films, but um, it makes me wonder, like, well, how could this guy not get work, even indie work, mm-hmm. after this? And the film we're talking about is... Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko, guys. And, and I, believe, I do believe it was an independent film, actually, at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an independent film, which is why, of course, it, it was showcased at Sundance. Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this, this film... It, it's it's on, on, upon first look, you know. Obviously, it's going to be confusing a little, somewhat. A little. Actually, I wouldn't even say a little. It's somewhat confusing. Uh, yeah. You know, but the more you, again, like, and and the funny thing about it's just like the Big Lebowski. Like, as it ages, it still um, it teaches you things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what was your first experience with this film? My first experience with this film was actually uh, funny enough. Um, was actually on Showtime. Really? Yeah, that's cool. And, and, yeah, um, yeah. Um, it, 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 well, well after it had been released, um, like, right? Like two thousand two, uh, two thousand. I was in middle school still. Mm-hmm. I was in middle school when it came out. But um, yeah, it. So when I first saw the film, I loved it immediately because it was dark. It was it was a, a menagerie of things in terms of in terms of of um, its composition. I mean, it was intelligently written yes very intelligently written and even though it had a star-studded cast mostly star-studded cast like usually with that kind of stuff they don't tend to do well especially movies back then right but this the cast they all gelled very well it's funny you mentioned the cast because i totally forgot that maggie gyllenhaal is in this film yes as his sister yeah which yeah. is which? This movie surprised me a bunch. Like I forgot as so much about it as I was rewatching it again last night. It 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 takes meta to a level that you, to a, <laughs> a higher level, and, and it gives a new meaning. It really does. Um, uh, uh, yes, definitely. Like when I think about this film, when I first saw it was during my college years. Mm-hmm. It was during the indie crawl, mm-hmm. as it were, where you saw Primer for the first time, and mm-hmm. you saw this, you saw the Big Lebowski. You know, what I mean, movies that. Just weren't on TV, mm-hmm. you know, after a certain time. And back then, like now, I have the hardest time categorizing this movie. What it, what exactly is it? Donnie Darko. Okay, that that's actually the funny thing about about this movie. This movie was never really meant to be categorized in that way. Yes. And it was written yes. that way, actually, and it's mm-hmm. on purpose. And mm-hmm. uh, that's why it was also ahead of its time. Because, yes, like, because of that. Absolutely, but, and, and it's meant it's meant really to be more interpretive. It's very interpretive. It's, it gives me shades of Napoleon Dynamite mm-hmm. in a weird way. It gives me shades of yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, of uh, the Virgin Suicides. Yeah. Yeah. It gives me feelings of Tim and Eric mm-hmm. in a weird yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> you know what is it? Awesome, um, Tim awesome, and Eric's awesome show. Great job. Awesome show. Great job. Where you can feel the inspiration that these guys pulled from this movie. Mm-hmm. And the movie kind of defies explanation because it's how you interpret the events mm-hmm. of the film that you create the, the genre for it. But there is an actual narrative to it. There yes. is a plot and there is an ending and there is an explanation to the ending, but I don't want to jump ahead. That totally. And yes, that is important to mention that this isn't some hodgepodge mm-hmm. of student film mm-hmm. mishmash. It, it, there's a beginning, there's a middle, and an end, and it's a snake eating its own tail. Yep. It's and how you interpret exactly, yep. 
and how you interpret it is pretty much based on how you're viewing it. Right. And and I don't I don't typically like time travel movies, you know, with exception of the first Terminator. Yeah, Back to the Future. Yeah, ba- and Back to the Future, you know, movies that are that are timeless. Yeah. But like this movie actually it uses time travel in a in, in, I, I, when you first see it you kind of think it uses it in a, in a dumb way like a yeah. dumb ass way but really actually it's using it in a way that you don't expect and yeah. and it 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 basically gives you the answers to your face without you really realizing yeah it's it shadows the two sides of this coin is time travel which is hard science fiction mm-hmm. and and internal psychosis yep. and yep. horror mm-hmm. and both max the other they, yep. they they both hide each other yep so it, depending on where you're approaching it this could be a coming of age film mm-hmm. what that and it, you can totally see that and this all could be metaphorical right it could be a hard science fiction film that unravels itself like an onion yeah until the very mm-hmm. end or it could be a film about psychological horror uh, psychological horror and it could be a thriller mm-hmm. in some weird ways just based on the main, the titular character's mental state from yeah. beginning, middle, and end. It's a modular movie in that way. You don't get that until probably like, well, actually, I guess near toward the end of the movie. Actually, yes. you don't get that until the very end of the movie. Um, and for that, and then and on top of that, on top of that, it's it's sort of it's there. There is an element of it that I don't really like too much. In mm-hmm. that it's, it, yeah. it, it it tries to be really suspenseful right and it doesn't wear that hat well it, it no it doesn't but i'm also glad that it doesn't do that very well because it, it does add just another level of of layer of, of ambiguity yeah, yeah. to it like it, it's just, it's a weird movie even jake gyllenhaal himself said even to this day he says he doesn't understand the movie yeah i was reading this funny quote <laughs> between him and seth rogan yeah who sneaks who, his way into this right, movie yeah his first exactly his first film he got his sad card in this movie yeah and his first line was i like your boobs yeah funny exactly. enough exactly i read that i was like this is hilarious <laughs> i forgot i didn't even know he was in this movie yeah, yeah. and I, when i was watching this movie and, and as you said it's it kind of builds you up mm-hmm. to what exactly is happening in a funny way it kind of reminds me of from software's bloodborne where it's kind of a trip down madman's knowledge Okay, I actually I haven't played them that game, okay. but but yeah, yeah. But what what Madman's knowledge is it just to just to because de- it kind of feeds back into the film is that you get these little you get health orbs, you get experience mm-hmm. orbs, you get Madman's knowledge. Mm-hmm. The more Madman's knowledge you get in the game, the harder the bosses get, and the more the world shows you. Interesting. The, the okay. more you understand what's happening, the hard the more you start to accept what's happening, and it changes your reality. I can see that. I can totally see that you're talking with Donnie himself, right? Donnie himself. Yeah, okay. His, depending on how you want to approach it, mm-hmm. the further he digs into what's happening, if anything's happening, mm-hmm. it either furthers his psychosis right. or furthers his understanding of reality mm-hmm. in, in the universe and time travel. And the deeper he goes down that rabbit hole, the more he finds himself in trouble. Yeah. One way or another. Mm-hmm. And that's brilliant to me because it leaves it up to you. And I think the uh the therapy sessions also blur that because mm-hmm. he's in because he has two different types they're for both he has mm-hmm. a, he has the therapy sessions with the um therapist mm-hmm. and he has the almost um ted talks <laughs> with his teacher about the science fiction yeah. side of it and they're um, both fulfilling the same 
from no, both. Noah Weil, I think is his name. Yes. He, yeah, Noah Weil, yeah. He was on, he, wasn't he on like one of those um, medical shows mm-hmm. for a while? Yep. Was it um, Grey's Anatomy or, or think, was it ER? Uh, I think it was Grey's Anatomy. Actually. I got to start knowing this stuff before I talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> but let's do this. Let's break it down by character. Sure. That's the best way to do it, actually. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we've already um, talked about him a little bit. Let's talk about the titular character, Jake Gyllenhaal's Donnie Darko. What is that? A superhero name? <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. Yes, I, I figured you were gonna. Like, who, who was it that said that? It oh was his. Uh, it, um, it, it was it was uh, Jenna Malone who said it that. was Jenna. It yeah. was Jenna Malone. Gretchen. Gretchen. There we go. Yes. Yeah. He's like, how do you not know I'm a superhero? <laughs> and then it, it adds another weird layer. Like, no, he said. He says, how do you know I'm not? Exactly. How do you yeah. know I'm not? And this character has such a sh- cool arc mm-hmm. to me, to where he's just kind of like a shithead little brother. And it's kind of from a uh, understandable place if you're an outsider. Right. He's a typical outsider when mm-hmm. it first starts. He's not. A, he's not totally isolated because he has his squad and people respond to him. But at the same time, he's still not the cool kids. But th- in this movie, there's not really cool kids, which no. is also co- which is also yeah. very smart. It's, it's not because it's it's not it's not cookie cutter. Yes, in there's no. For, it's not. It's not the co- typical cookie cutter high school relationships. Yeah, that the, you see. The only stereotypes that are really in the film that are unredeemable are the bullies, especially, yeah. and they're not. They're not notorious bullies like from our last film, It, mm-hmm. which is funny because the mom was reading Stephen King's It yeah. in the intro yeah, of the movie, exactly. which yeah. I didn't plan. Yeah, which I thought was pretty cool. I was yeah. like, what is what? Am I in the Matrix? But Jake Gyllenhaal once again sold me like. This guy can do whatever he wants, mm-hmm. acting wise. Mm-hmm. And how do you feel about like his character arc as it developed through the film, without any major spoilers or anything? I, just thought, I thought it was brilliant. Um, and I thought that him. Okay, I'm I'm jumping ahead again. I thought that his ex- exploration of not just his own his, the world around him, but his own psychosis. Yes, and the next character we have to talk about. You know, we the next character we have to talk about you know, it has to be Frank, but we'll the, get we'll, that's perfectly fine. The, the very next character because yes. they they are intertwined, and they're intertwined in a very strange way. And I have questions about that because it's not yeah. fully explained. Oh yeah, what their true connection is. Okay, and I would that, love an explanation on that because even I'm still trying to work that out. Be prepared because that's it's going to get pretty weird. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, I love yeah. it. So, but but in ter- in terms in terms of his his story arc. Donnie is not only he's both, and this is where it's really interesting. He's both his own hero and his own villain. Exactly, and like it's, he's, his, he's his own worst enemy. And then, in this but, movie. but then he he's his own worst enemy. But then he becomes a savior at the same time. Yes, he which, he has a martyr. He mm-hmm. becomes not to have to give too much away. He's he he has a sacrifice moment that he just accepts, mm-hmm. and it's a perfect testament to his fully understanding of what's going on. Yeah. And what what needs to go on, and because his whole point was, I had to know how this. What's the whole point of all this? Right. And the point was for the point to be the point. Mm-hmm. And once he kind of got that, you have this weird moment where I don't want to jump too far ahead, but mm-hmm. he has a cathartic moment mm-hmm. that's only that's wordless, but you understand. Mm-hmm. And I think that was very well acted. Yeah, because they could have easily blown it up with a full epilogue on him making that decision and making it bloated. Right. But no, they made it 30, not even 30 seconds. It was very quick and it was very poignant, I think. Right. Um, 
And it's really hard not to talk about spoilers with this movie because, like, it, do, you, I, do you want to just go into it? I mean, no, it's, no, it's, it's, it's almost it, it's an it, over twenty year movie at it, this point. Yeah, I guess so. But, it, but um, yeah. So one of the things that really stood out to me about Donnie is, especially like, and okay, and, and it's, one of the things that stood out to me about Donnie was Frank. Mm-hmm. And when I was first watching this movie, I was thinking that. Well, and, and it's natural to think this, but that you were thinking that Frank was what it didn't matter whether he was what you thought he was an imaginary character or not. Right. You were literally thinking that he's the polar opposite, or if not the polar opposite, you know, a version of Donnie. Yeah, I thought that, it was Donnie's id. Yeah, that, that, is that right? Either an alter ego or or his id talking to him. Yes, his his primal base baser, you know, a baser instinct yeah. kind of. But then, but then you really start to see that it's not the case, and it becomes solidified when you find out who Frank really is. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, and then it turns from it being a psycho thriller to a causal loop kind of thing. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, like, and then, and then it's just it. It's like what the fuck. It's like, it's, it frustrates you yeah. immediately yeah. because the what the the fan cannon you had going on in your head yeah. is wrong, right? 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 But then, but then with Donnie, and this is the last I'm going to say about Donnie. I think honestly, things really started to his story arc really started to hit its its peak when the old lady uh, whispered to in his yeah, ear, yeah, and told him told him what he said what she said then he told his, his therapist now you know it, it's no it's no brainer that he would tell his therapist that yeah but it, the way the way but what he equated what she said which mm-hmm. he, and, and, and i'm just gonna spoil it she he's what she said to him was everyone dies alone yeah all living creatures all, on, this, all, on sorry, this earth all, all living creatures die alone yeah you know and the way what he relates that to is his cat, you know, <laughs> going on the die. Yeah, and really, if you weren't paying attention, that actually is a foreboding. Oh yeah, it's a very it, big yeah. um, portent, right? Of what's to come. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so, and so, leaving that alone for a side, Frank is probably. The least important, but also the most important character here. He's kind of the low key catalyst, yeah, of everything because that's where I get sideways. Because mm-hmm. I get there's a certain p- stage in the story where he becomes tangible mm-hmm. and is no longer a fictional character. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to what's really solidifies this later, right? I would say during the, the Gretchen story arc, right? But where I'm confused is that. They were communicating with each other through temporal space, mm-hmm. but how did Frank get involved in in the understanding of temporal space without the aid of Mother Death or or Grandma Death? Because opening that up to him, like how did he become? You know, so so this this is where it gets kind of weird. Where to add another layer? Actually, yeah. So it's it, it it's it's it, it is a is a it's a, it is a t- temporal loop. However, there's also alternate dimensions involved in this as well. Mm, right. So with Frank, and as you know, the multiverse theory, and I think they do touch on that in the... Um, you you like multiverses? <laughs> right? Yeah. So um, Frank, that Frank wasn't the Frank that... Existed in, in, in his world, yeah, exactly. right? Exactly. 
However, the events of of what he did to Frank still happen. Maybe not in the same order. Of course not, because the, the, the whole ting, yeah. right. the moment where he's in the mirror and he's really diving into his own psychosis, right? right. Or his own knowledge. He exactly. does the ting on Frank's eye, right? And it doesn't, and it's not ex- it's not explained mm-hmm. imme- immediately what happens after that point. Mm-hmm. But then it is foreshadowed in the theater. And then once again explained mm-hmm. in Frank's uh I wouldn't say final moment, but mm-hmm. his his leading up to final moment. Yeah. So with so Frank's appearance quite literally is he, he's he, he is a catalyst, but it's it's okay. So the way it was explained to me yeah. is that Frank's that's not Frank's ghost appearing to him. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not Frank's um, spirit. Mm-hmm. It literally is another Frank from another universe, and that. And even though, like he, however, because you know, time is relative. Like yeah. time happens. Time is one big bar. Exactly. Especially across multiple multiple universes. It's a spider's so web. <laughs> that, so the way it was explained to me is that that is a Donnie's conscience. In another universe, yeah, that's actually telling him. So, in a way, really, it kind of is Donnie himself yeah. telling himself mm-hmm. that this is what's going to happen through another also, vessel, yeah, right. which is Frank, right? And so, of course, like you know, going back to um, what was said to Donnie about you know all living things die alone. And that's what spurred his psychosis slash that that that's um, um, enlightenment. Right. That that led him to believe that if well, if that's the case, then somehow I need to stop that. Exactly. And the matter. And if you remember, there there's a plane that crashes mm-hmm. into, into the house. Yeah. The whole that's which, which, I would say is the the blatant catalyst of the film. Yeah. Is, um, the, is the accident in the it, home. It, it's, it hides in plain sight, though. So exactly. Because it, it happens in the beginning of the movie. Yes. Yeah. It's the so, bookend. Yeah, exactly. It, mm-hmm. it, he, this, is, this movie is written brilliantly that they give you the answers before you know that they're actually answers to questions that you never had. It's, this movie in itself is a is kind of a delve into Madman's knowledge where yeah. you, they lay out the end of the movie mm-hmm. at the beginning mm-hmm. and they explain the beginning of the movie at the end. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it is a causality loop where you can watch this movie all over again and technically it will be its own sequel. Right. Right. <laughs> right? right. Exactly. Because uh, now you're entering and, it's like a new game plus. Right. You and, know what and, I mean? And unfortunately there was a sequel with um, his sister, but his little we sister. We don't talk did that actually become made? Was that Yeah, that was made. Oh, <laughs> it's no. called S Darko. Oh yeah, I've totally forgot about that. Yeah, don't let's... as did the world. <laughs> I'm like mad dogging my mic right now. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, um, no, no offense to Leah. What's her name? Um, the the actress or yeah, the director? The, no, the the girl, um, Lee something. I forget her name. Was it the same little girl? Yeah, was yeah, it a new yeah actress? same little girl. They aged her out. Yeah, That's well, pretty yeah, cool. that, yeah. She so yeah, so like this, yeah. she was a teenager by this point. She's eighteen okay, years old. Fair but, enough. Anyway, I don't want to talk about that shit. Yeah, <laughs> that's for another podcast for yeah, another day. Well, not ever, but in anyway, another multiverse. Yeah, in another universe, not this one. Not this one. But, but yeah, so going back to multiverse. Well, no, not even multiverses anymore. Going back to going, Frank. Going back to Frank. So Frank serves as Donnie's conscience, even though it actually did happen. But even though that Frank wasn't technically real if he was real yes but just in different he's a different he's a splinter universe version 
of Frank, which is honestly being potted by a a, a different version of Donnie yeah. in a weird sense, yeah. to give him the information he needs to save mm-hmm. the universe that he's currently in. Right. Sort of like a kind of like a spirit guide kind in of, a weird yeah. way. But there's moments where Frank is talking to Donnie as if he's talking to himself, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a weird little Easter egg. If yeah. you're paying attention, yeah, you know what I mean? Cause they even have almost the same verbal cadence, right? Exactly. You know what I mean? There's little touches like that. Yeah. And what threw me off with Frank is, is the theater scene mm-hmm. where, mm-hmm. why are you wearing that silly, what is a human suit? Yeah, no, he's, he says, why are you wearing that stupid bunny suit? Yeah. And he says, and then Frank responds, why are you wearing that stupid man suit? Exactly. And he yeah. takes it off and he sees 90s looking dude with yeah. earrings and everything. And he has this eye, almost the most, the only gore in the he, film. He, he tells him to take it off. He, he said, yeah, he, he says, he, just take it off. Yeah. And he removes it and he's doing his best, you know, lo- you know, Max Seidel kind of the eyes go first and the head follows <laughs> yeah. turn. And it's really the only gore in the movie is his eyes, like, totally gouged out. Yeah. And he's like, I'm sorry. I think that's what he says. Mm -hmm. And that also goes into, like, the main climax of the movie. But let's let's double back a little bit. Mm -hmm. Because we actually talked about the two most complicated characters in the film. So I do want to kind of go into some of the more smaller but important characters. Mm -hmm. Like the other Darkos, his family, which have a very interesting role in this film. And I want to kind of start... In a different direction, I want to start with his father, mm-hmm. who had a weird, who, who played the most natural father I've ever seen in a movie, honestly, right. because he's not de- dejected, but right. he is. Right. He's kind of just, his wife is the head of the house. Of course. But he's still kind of like that cool dad is like, oh, he flipped her off. That's funny. Yeah. It, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> not my, my, okay. I'm sorry. I have to segue. The, the, my favorite part. Is when they're when Donnie gets to the principal's office, and yeah, um, and he tells he and then the principal asks, like, "Hey, you know what? Is, what exactly did you say, to Miss Farmer?" And then like, she's like, she's like, I'll tell you what he said. He told me to shove the, I forget the name of the He said, the, the, life, the life cycle of my anus. Yeah, my, and his dad. His dad was like. <coughs> his, his dad, his dad straight up just let off this yelp. Like, like, and his mom didn't even flinch. <laughs> and that's another thing about his mom. I do want to talk about that scene that came before that. Because I think right, it's one of the best right. scenes in the film. Oh, yes. The classroom scene where Miss, uh, what was her name? Miss Farmer. Miss Farmer yeah. had this. And it's, it's another thing, and we're going to go into this more about these smaller characters. Mm-hmm. This film was really about a moment in the 80s mm-hmm. where children were being numbed to reality mm-hmm. via mindless understandings of black and white, exactly. right and wrong, apathy. It's also it's also important to note it's that— It's super that strong in this movie. It's also important to note that, that where this takes place is actually in a small town. Yes. Yeah. And that's another thing I picked up. It's a very— Cleaver-esque Americana universe that is is self-contained. Yep. Nothing is happening outside of this neighborhood. Yep. You know what I mean? The the obviously rich are at least well off, mm-hmm. and everything is. And that's where I get the kind of like the highbrow Napoleon Dynamite feel, mm-hmm. to where everything is so satur is so sanitized and perfect, but it's not. And that's where the ending theme comes in, where everything is damaged on the other side of that coin. Mm-hmm. And it's just moments like the recital 
Whereas it's so it's perfectly disturbing. Yeah. Because it's so perfect. But yeah. to go back to that classroom scene, they give <laughs> they're giving these weird scenarios yeah. where it's either black or white. Right. It's fear or love. Right. Yes, exactly. And he, Donnie has the most poignant moment in the film where he's like, Life doesn't work that way. Yeah. You can't work off these polar opposites and she's just not hearing it. Like it's yeah. scary like that. And it's so telling to time now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That if someone if someone has an ideal in their brain, there's just no way to burn through it. Even right. with the amount of knowledge, even with knowledge and a form of comprehension and understanding. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to explain to her, and you know, Donnie's a little off kilter. Of course. He could have handled it differently. Mm-hmm. But he's what he's saying is absolutely right. Like situations in life can't be bottled in black or white. Right. Like because a lot, lot of this shit has nothing to do with fear or love. Exactly, this is common fucking sense. It's common sense. Who cares <laughs> if <laughs> if you found a wallet and you gave back the wallet, but you kept the money? What does it have to do with fear or love? Right. That's a decision, right? And she's just like, "Well, if you don't answer this question, I'm going to send you to the office." He's like, "I don't. You're not listening to me. <laughs> like, why are you doing this to us? You're ruining these children." Yeah. And that's kind of goes into where he just had it and told her to shove the life cycle up her ass. And this teacher is kind of the villain of the. If this movie had a villain, she'd be the closest thing to it. But she's but she but was, she's not a villain. It's, she's just a mindless. She's sex a embodiment yeah. of the problem, and her polar opposite in this film is Drew Barrymore. It was another right, secret, exactly. And I love Drew Barrymore's. Mm-hmm. It also reminded me why I love Drew Barrymore. Oh man, she's so dreamy. But uh, she she understood Donnie on a different level, but she didn't. She didn't. I, I felt her character was a little was a little underserved. It was very underserved because she had a purpose that she fulfilled, but that's it. Yeah, she had no meat to her to her. She had meat to her personality because mm-hmm. it's Drew, and Drew kind of put a little bit of herself into it. Right. But the character didn't have a lot to do outside yeah. of her purpose, which was to open his mind. Right. You know what I mean? To Which happens when you have all the stars like that. Exactly. <laughs> right. They will do what they got. You know, they're going to hook it up. But uh, the parents, like the mother, is this strangely stoic mm-hmm. character throughout the entire film. Even at the end, she's strangely stoic. Everyone right. is going through it. And she's just smoking a cigarette, just dealing with it. Almost kind of like she knew that he was going to die some way, how, some way, somehow. Yes. And that's another yeah. thing. Like, if you understand the system, then you can kind of see beyond the system. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Even on a very internal instinct level. Yep. Kind of like Gretchen. Well, mm-hmm. we'll get to Gretchen. And the mother just was a very strange character for me because she, the, her, she, she was the father mm-hmm. to where she was standoffish. But she wasn't apathetic. Right. So she right. was very off-putting. And it felt like parents. Like, these felt like little brothers and little sisters and older sisters and how they protect the, protected their little brothers. And that's where I kind of want to go into Maggie Gyllenhaal's character, mm-hmm. the sister. Mm-hmm. Sister Darko. Who could have had more to do, but she had just enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. She I, had I, just yeah, enough. I, yeah, I, I do feel like they balanced them out. Because I mean, it's not about Maggie anyway, right? It's about Jake. it's about it's about Donnie, yeah, right? It's about Donnie, yeah. And even his little sister had stuff to do, yeah. right? So yeah. everybody had their time to shine. It was almost a perfect ensemble film because mm-hmm. because there wasn't a character wasted. Even the uh, little um, 
I want to say Japan, um, Japanese, Chinese girl oh, who had uh, her own st- weird story arc. Uh, Nick, Nick, uh, damn it. Shrita. Yeah. Shrita, yeah. Shrita. Um, sh- Who's actually pretty successful on TV these days. That's cool. What is she in? Uh, I, don't, I don't recognize her or anything. Last thing. Uh, I, mean, I haven't watched TV um, in a while, but she was on a, on a sitcom. Not cool. Too long ago, That's cool, man. On a channel or an, an NBC, I think. Yeah. Uh, she had her own little weird story arc, and that goes into the school. With the weird bullies who, uh, Seth Rogen and his buddy with the knife, yeah, who were just assholes for no reason, <laughs> and not necessarily. There's a point where he kind of goes too far, yeah, and there's a point where he goes really too far, mm-hmm. but they're not. They don't seem menacing up until that point, which is kind of a problem for me. Weirdly enough, they just seem like to be just asshole smoke smoking. There's a part because in in the, in the film there's a section where they do this really good one shot mm-hmm. where it's, it's a tracking mm-hmm. shot through the school yeah and I thought that was very uh, Virgin Suicides mm-hmm. especially with the music going it was a very cool intro to this existence and you see one of these guys like doing a bump in front of a teacher who's watching right, right. who doesn't say anything yeah he doesn't ring him by his neck you know you slacker and throws him in no he just lets yeah. him do it and you kind of get the entire like, ecosystem. Of what Donnie has to deal with and how he kind of sees it. Well, okay, and this is where I connect with Donnie Darko a lot. This is, that was a private school he went to. Yes, it was a private. I went school. to private school, and I can tell you, that maybe not the drugs so much, but that that sort of mentality is there. Like, wow, te- yeah. Teachers are teachers who work in private schools are extremely frustrated. Yeah, but they're collecting the fucking check. And so, a lot of times, like, when it comes to teaching these children who are spoiled as shit, yeah. if they can... I had a teacher once tell me, if I can get one or two kids to learn something, I don't really give a shit. Yeah. yeah. Because if you fight too hard, you lose your job. Right. But if you don't fight at all, then you lose your job. Yeah. Right? Exactly. So, it's like, you have to kind of triage the situation. Mm-hmm. I can get two children, to right. act, two kids, to actually... Ex- like the Drew Barrymore character, she mm-hmm. was extremely frustrated in this film yep. because there were kids trying to learn, mm-hmm. but the system around it was so homogenized that she was just too radical. Yeah, and even what she was teaching wasn't insanely radical. Right, but but it was it was a testament to the strictness of the mind state, not the school, mm-hmm. but the mind state, and that goes back to the quote unquote antagonist of the film, which was uh, the t- um, the teacher. Yeah. Slash super mom. Yeah. Slash dad, dance instructor. Busybody. And, and, and just to just to be fair, she wasn't inherently an antagonist, but she just like she was just annoying as shit. Yes. So and, she was the closest thing to an antagonist. And that's why I'm having a hard time explaining is that she's not a villain. No. She's not twirling her mustache and she's no. not the the reason for the problem. But she's part of the of the problem. She's part of the Systemic problem. Yeah, she's part of it. She's she's a she's a cheerleader for it, basically. Exactly. She's <laughs> the bard, as it were. Right. And people listen to her, mm-hmm. and that kind of wants me makes me want to go into the Patrick Swayze character, mm-hmm. the the life coach. Yeah, as it were, which was a lot of the, where the Tim and Eric love came from me because it reminds me a lot of their Cinco yeah. product commercials, right. which are hilarious. But talk about brighter the picture, the darker the negative with that guy. And he doesn't show up a lot in the film. He has he's very sparse until the major blow up. Yeah, and that's the auditorium, the auditorium scene, scene yeah. where Donnie kind of just rips him. Donnie, and it was funny. Is Donnie's always in this during this film? He's shown to be extremely intellectual. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a high 
level thinker. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't really trying to outthink this guy. He was just trying to r- rustle him in a weird he, way. He was trying to get him to see the flaws of what this he was shit doing, is, but this frontal lobe thinking that, yes. that he was promoting. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what the shit was. Like, hey kid, you want you wanted people to stop beating up on you? How about you go lift some weights, <laughs> yeah. learn some karate, and next time some asshole tries to dunk your hair in the toilet, you kick him in the, in the balls. balls. Yeah, exactly. Hey, you worried about your sister not you know being overweight? Why'd you tell her to put down the Twinkies and go and, and join like, and join like what was it like recreational soccer or something yeah. like that? He kept it real on all three levels. Oh man! And all Patrick can do is like, this is sad. He's just so afraid. He's so he's terrified up there. He's like, you're just not listening, dude. Like, I think you're the fucking antichrist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. Like, that's crazy. And dude. and okay, and that's where that little. Narrative also takes an interesting turn because if you if you do this is how you can interpret this as well. Mm-hmm. Like basically, he Donnie was right. And Donnie kinda, was absolutely right. He was, and it's meta because like, yeah. like what, what what he was what he was promoting was basically a the death of of people in terms of personality. Yeah, making them all think the same, same exact way. shit. Mm-hmm. And so. Donnie, and again, you can interpret this in many different ways. Donnie was the, I guess you can call him Jesus Christ. Yeah. Because he was sending the new message. Yes. But then because of, you know, you know science fiction. Because of the world, they, yeah. they know not what they do. Right. He was shunned as a outsider. Right. And shunned as crazy. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that fascinates me about this movie. It made me think, like, made me stay up a little bit late last night thinking about what is actual insanity versus the reality that you perceive? You know what I mean? And it, ma- it makes you really think. This movie, and that's one thing I love about movies like this is it makes you think outside mm-hmm. of the movie, and it mm-hmm. makes you contemplate actual things that make may make you sound a little crazy. You know right. what I mean? And characters like the Patrick Swayze character, who we had later find out is kind of the most despicable man of the film. Oh yeah. And then oh. you have the and then you have the blindest sheep of the teacher who still believes that he's pure of heart, right? Outside of mountains of evidence, yeah. And that's just a testament to the world. You know what yeah. I mean? It, it doesn't want its idea of perfection tainted, even if it is a pure taint. Right. It will rather accept nonsense than accept the truth. Right. And that's another weird through line story about this movie: is that is Donnie's truth reality, or is it? Or is it reality because he's seeing it that way? Right. Because it's all told from his perspective. Exactly. You know, and then it makes you contemplate, like, was this really just, was it time travel? Was it his moment? Was it, what was it moments before death? It, so, and, and that's, that, that's the ambiguity of this that and That's continues. what I love about it. it. It's, and it, again, it can, you can interpret it in a whole bunch of different ways. But one right. thing is, one thing is certain with this movie is that, whether or not Donnie really did time travel, whether he really did, you know, guide himself or not. Yeah. However, that happened. Like Donnie had to go. For one Donnie had to go. Yeah. Because he he again he's the hero and and the antagonist of his own story. Because, right. Like he was the one upsetting the balance of everything through living. Yeah. Exactly. Because he became the true, the kind of the 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 true fire starter, literally and figuratively. Of the film, immediately after the jet engine fell out the sky, right. 
And um, before we go into the, the grand scheme of the film, mm-hmm. I do want to talk about Gretchen a little bit mm-hmm. and her baby machine, which I think was one of the most fascinating things in the world. Oh, my God. Um, so Gretchen, <laughs> I wouldn't call her a love interest because she has stuff to do. And I don't like the term love interest in films because it makes it, it, it belittles the actress who's in that role or actor for that matter. Mm-hmm. But Gretchen is this weird counterweight to his spiraling out of control mm-hmm. up until the very end of the film. Yep. The absolute end of the film where she's still a counterweight mm-hmm. to the family. Uh, and Gretchen played by, uh, by Jenna Malone, Jenna Malone, who, who would go on to have a very good career, funny enough, which is cool. A lot of stars came from this movie started as his funky balance. Mm-hmm. Like even when, she was introduced to the class, which is one of the most cringeworthy things I can imagine in high right. school. Sit next to the guy you think is the cutest, right? right. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> Such a rough yeah. moment. Like, put I'm, this is my first day of school. Put me on the fucking spot, but it works out. It works out for him, and he starts to actually confide in her. Mm-hmm. What's good? he tells her like I'm seeing shit, yeah, and I don't know how to deal with this, and she kind of woosaws him down every single yeah. time, yeah. And I liked her as a character because she's she has this weird backstory where her her mom is being hunted by her stepfather yeah. who tried to kill her and got away. Yeah, and he's like, the, and it's it's like a horror film within within all this is going on. Yeah, and you're like, wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> we have to change our names to everything. Yeah, and that he said he's she said he stabbed her like something I forget how many times four times yeah. in the chest yeah four times in the chest yeah and they don't know where he is so we have to move yeah. And it made me think, like, I thought this was a cool name. And it made me think, is Gretchen, like, Mother Death waiting on Donnie's note from the, from the, from the future kind of thing? No. It back, it jacked, it jacked me up a little bit. I, no, um, Gretchen, it, she does quite literally serve the purpose of being the, the, the counter, the counter, the actual balance for yes. Donnie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, again, like, when she was taken away, like Donnie obviously became unhinged, very much unhinged. So and you know, and looking at okay, but let's not go into that. But no, Gretchen, we'll get that later. Gretchen quite literally did. She had a purpose to serve, and she served it. Yeah, up until her death. Up until her death, which yeah. is the kind of the climax of the film, the yeah. party. If anything, if anything extra that Gretchen was, she was the pretty much the, the epiphany for him. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. She was a part of the epiphany. She was clarity. She yeah. was the clarity past the knowledge. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It was like he will learn this heavy stuff about um, kind of like and then you got into the CG, which was weird. Oh, yeah. The the weird liquid trail yeah. of top of temporal space mm-hmm. that you're destined to go down and you can choose not to. Not to follow that temporal path if you want to, but right. then you're messing with the, the balance of time and space or something like that. Right. And so he would come to her with all this craziness and she would just be like, relax, have a seat, you know? And, um, even during the assault on Patrick Swayze's house. Right. He still had an alibi, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. He still would have gotten away with it mm-hmm. if he would have, um, defied fate. But then again, we all see what happens when you defy fate. Of course. So how do you feel she fits as one of the more major, not protagonists, but kind of functions in the film? You mean just in terms of what? Just in terms of like her overall... Her overall worth and importance. 
I of the film. Well, I'd say she's pretty damn important. Yeah. Um, because okay, honestly, I don't think Donnie was actually crazy. No, I don't think yeah. he was crazy. What I think, and this is this is just from his 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 guys. Yeah, he wasn't crazy, but everyone else did. Everyone else did think that, or just troubled in some way. He was troubled. What he, Gretchen? What Gretchen was like? Quite literally, Gretchen was his way of realizing that he actually is pretty normal mm-hmm. underneath all that rage and angst. Yeah, with the world coming down on him. Yeah. That he could find somebody that he can actually find that's not like the rest of everyone. And she was an outsider, too. Right. So, like, and it makes, it makes sense. They were freaking frack, yeah. almost, in different perspectives. Right. And I totally get that, where um, she balanced, like, she's definitely balanced him out in mm-hmm. that sense. Uh, I want to talk it, about, But it was never meant to last. And that's the whole point of, the yeah. whole point of the movie, you know, is the finite, you're, you're giving a clock. At yeah. the very beginning of the movie, right. I don't know the full numerical breakdown, mm-hmm. but you're giving a clock, which is also feeds into that narrative as well. Oh, I shouldn't know this. I shouldn't know this. Uh, it's like 27 days. Uh, I think it was 13 days, actually. Thir- thir- uh, I don't even want to butcher it. Yeah. I, I will butcher it. Uh, the last character I wanted to talk to, talk to, <laughs> I wish, talk about was Ma, Ma-, Ma- Death. Mm-hmm. And what was she looking for? Was she looking for the note that he signed at the very end of the film? You know, um, actually, that's a question I've been asking. I've been trying to figure out. That's one thing I don't know. Because if she's, let's say, because her story is that she was a teacher yeah. at the school many years yeah. ago. And she had an epiphany one day mm-hmm. and wrote the book that kind of spearheads his dimension, right. his psychosis slash his, his awakening of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And she mastered time travel, (laughs) apparently. And she became reclusive and thus started her dementia of going back and forth to her mailbox looking for something. Mm -hmm. And what it is, we don't know. It's never fully explained. But Donnie Darko does create a a letter to her, which we never know the contents of, that he's going to give to put in her mailbox for her. Okay. So I want to say that, but at the same time, I don't know because that because at that point in time when he wrote the letter, I don't remember if did he he didn't put it in her mail. No, she died. I remember she she passed away in the movie. She passed away towards the end of the film. Yeah. Right? Um. So I don't remember. I actually, I he doesn't remember. physically put it in the box. Yeah, he does because that's when Gretchen passes. Right. Away exactly. So at the end of the film, in order in order for that to be the case, they're passed. Would have had to cross another time, but then again, we're also dealing with multiple re- multiple realities. So there could be the reality where he did put it in her mailbox, and that's what she's waiting for. Okay, yeah, that's that's also true as well. And, and of course, her mind is completely her mind fried. is completely fried. fried. Yeah. So all point. she knows to do is wait for the note that is predestined to eventually appear to right. her death, right. which never comes. But that was her own understanding of how all this works. Right. She had her own Frank, who could have been Donnie. Mm-hmm. For that matter, mm-hmm. haunting her since the beginning, you know, and her brain being so fried, she just never recognized him because she's just gone. Right. So that was my kind of headcanon theory that the, the letter he wrote was what she's been waiting for this whole time and why she spoke to him to put him down this path. Right. To send her the letter, thus closing the causality loop. Right. 
Does I she mean, even that, have to talk to him? I mean that that's that's one part that I mean that would make a little that would make some sense, right? Because like again, like him him hearing her say that is set him is, down is, the is, path. Yeah, set him down the path. The book is him reading the book is what kept him on the path, and then Gretchen dying is what know, is what really solidified his his um his walk to martyrdom. Yeah, him watching the end of the world. Yeah. And I do want to kind of bookend this podcast with a beginning, middle, and end explanation. So at the beginning of the film, we're introduced to the family. Mm-hmm. We're introduced to the school, and the kind of the temporal event happens. Mm-hmm. A jet engine falls out the sky. Yes. But that night, he's visited in a certain way by Frank mm-hmm. to leave his house for some reason. Right. It's technically saving his life. And kickstarting this whole thing, yeah. The um, and that's where you get into the jet engine falling, um, in him becoming a weird celebrity, right. so to speak. Because it was supposed to fall, it fell on his room. It fell on his o- room, only on his room. Yeah, it wouldn't have affected right. anyone else in the house. Exactly. And then that started him on the why, mm-hmm. and then we go into the therapy sessions, which open up a whole another whole another can of worms on his visits from Frank. Because it's what it's Frank that's fueling him to learn more and more, and, and finding him to time travel, mm-hmm. which takes him down the road to find about Miss Sparrow. Right, and tw- that's her name, Sparrow. And towards the middle of the film, is him acting out, him vandalizing the school, mm-hmm. uh, him. Uh, no, sorry. I saw it. <laughs> him, I'm not crazy. Uh, <laughs> I'm not crazy. <laughs> um, him kind of going through the motions of full, getting a better understanding of what's happening. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm leapfrogging because I want to kind of do bookends. And then the end where it's the party. Mm-hmm. And he, they don't say it right out, but he loses his virginity to mm-hmm. – or he, 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 make, he, he makes love to Gretchen. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily – pointed one way or another but anywho that's the impression it gave i mean it, it's obvious it's like, obvious it's, right it's pretty obvious it was you know and in that moment of love was also a moment of fear mm-hmm. <laughs> which is right. funny right which oh, is reversed because um the teenagers take it to a whole nother level because they're getting blamed the not the teenagers but the bullies mm-hmm. take it to a whole nother level because they're being blamed for the all the arson that's going on on the bookends the periphery of the movie yeah and a car careens out of nowhere, f- funny enough, and kills Gretchen. Yep. And who's behind the wheel of the car? It's Frank. It's Frank. Real life bunny Frank. Suit. Yep. In his bunny suit that he's, for some reason, been working on and designed himself, mm-hmm. which is very telling. Right. And Frank isn't this omnipotent time traveler. He's just some kid. Right. Some shithead. And Donnie k- kills him, mm-hmm. does he? Right, he he takes his god dad's gun that he picks up from towards the center of the film and kills him, and now police are out and he told the kid to go tell everyone what's going yeah. on because it doesn't matter because the world's gonna end. Right, and Donnie is resolved in the fact that if I can stop this, if I can help me explain that the end, it's it's a he's, little tough. So by him telling the little kid that he's basically. He, well, he he's telling that because basically he's saying it doesn't matter at this point what the hell happens because this shit's gonna keep happening over mm-hmm. and over again. Mm-hmm. 
Like, how do I break this cycle? Once, once he, once he saw that it was inevitable for him to shoot Frank, because it, it all roads led to him always having to kill him. Yes, to no, save no the world. What. Yeah, like, it, his, 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 he was always going to have to kill Frank one way or another. Right. Whether it was Gretchen, whether it was whoever, and whoever knows how many multiverses where he had to kill. He had to kill this version of yeah. Frank. So he. Out of, in, in in some way, he actually well, I guess understanding time travel through Sparrow's book was banned. Right. He understood that since this causal loop is never going to end, maybe that's exactly why I that maybe that's maybe it's myself, Frank. Yeah. Telling myself to stay alive so that I have some sort of existence, but I know that 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 should not be the case. But Frank. Um, Frank, as he exists now, mm. they paint him in a very weird kind of mood, almost to where he's almost like depressed. Right. Or even, I hate to say, suicidal in a weird way, especially towards the end of the film where they're doing the kind of retrospectives on these people's lives on that fateful night. Is, or is it during that fateful night? You're talking about when he dies and it shows like a montage. All around me are familiar um, faces. Yeah. Uh, Frank... Well, to me, personally, Frank just looked... Okay, that scene right there is important because what that what that actually, what that was showing really is that um, Donnie was dead. Yeah. Of course, and they and pretty much everything, like all of time has literally changed. Like a part of their, their, their heads... Retained what... Kind of yeah. weirdly retained what happened. Right. And felt the weight of that temporal yeah. reversal. Right, exactly. And they were w- woken out of their sleep because they were the major point, major points of um, what was going on in between the past and the present. Right. And now the the, the possible future. Right. Right. In the in their present, which and is if, his past. And if you right. notice, like you were saying earlier about about the mom not being emotional, because um, she knew well, well, she had. To, I mean, she knew that he was going to die. Yeah. But in in terms of now, it's kind of hard to tell like whether or not his family. Well, of course, if his family is grieving because they they lost. They, they do the rundown where yeah. his sister is crying, the yeah. baby's crying, the father is holding it together. Yeah, and his mom is just sitting on a, leaning against a a tree, smoking. Yeah, dealing with it. Yeah, and it makes you think like, does she have some kind of inside, inside job? Because she knew Gretchen, but then again, how would she know Gretchen? They, she didn't. Act, she acknowledges Gretchen because mm-hmm. Gretchen acknowledges her. Right. But they shouldn't know each other, even in the contents of the possible future that would have happened. It's right. very funky. Like they have a moment together. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The they, I think that um, there is a director's cut movie that I haven't seen. Actually. So they shouldn't have any kind of even temporal connection. Right. Because because Donnie was aggressively. Uh, adherent to his mother mm-hmm. for for reasons he could be just a, a, a moody teenager mm-hmm. or she's always in his business it's never really explained mm-hmm. but he was always very aggressive with his mom mm-hmm. and uh there's no reason why he would ex- even introduce Gretchen mm-hmm. to him because um during this month that it was him and Gretchen were going steady and mm-hmm. yeah oh know, uh, she knocks on the door I believe or, or am I mistaken? Is that the party? Gretchen knocks on the door at the right. party, and she's freaked out because their house is jacked up, mm-hmm. and her mom is missing. Right, and they never explain that. Mm-hmm. You don't know what happened. It's it's another. It's like a horror movie's happening, 
at the same time that this film is happening. Yeah. And I, it's very unsettling. I think I think that was just I, th- I think that was just to add a little more to the plot. I don't really think that I was I thought that much. was fascinating, like just something else going on right. that we'll never know. You know, like right. while you're standing on a bridge, Mortal Kombat's happening over there, but you don't know. <laughs> Right. I mean, it could it could possibly be. I mean, the father probably could have found them. I mean, I mean, her mom could have got drunk and just tore the house up because obviously. Yeah. But who knows? We don't know. It's never. I mean, explained. you assume that it, it's the father. It's the father, and the worst the worst case scenarios happened. Yeah. And the family died that night. Technically. Yeah. yeah. It could be that. I mean, again, I, I the way I took it, it was just kind of like just kind of filler a little bit. It was an excuse for her to be in emotional state. Yeah. yeah for her like, to finally give herself to. Donnie and kind of complete their circle. Yeah, it's kind of a plot device. It's a very big plot device, but <laughs> I just found it fascinating that <laughs> there's a low key like Halloween was happening down the street, right. and we don't know right what how that ended up. Uh, so yeah, going go, let's, going back to what we were saying before um, about the montage of of all the characters. Yeah, uh, um, Mad like, World. Yeah, that so what we were saying before that. Um, Oh, uh, we were talking about um, his acceptance of his martyrdom. Yes. Yeah. So again, like Donnie accepted his that he had to die. Yeah. He's he. The reason why he accepted it is because of the it was the the whole causal loop thing. This shit's gonna keep happening over and over again, and he knew that that honestly, like if he didn't, like. Whether, whether he knew that the pain would keep coming over and over again mm-hmm. for everyone in his family, right? Not just him, not just him. Regardless of of people, you know, whether he was supposed to stop, you know, what's his fucking face? Um, oh my gosh, Patrick, um, Swayze, Patrick Swayze's yeah, character or not? Yeah. Like the 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 point is, like he needs to stop existing in order to really balance. The Every, universe balance everyone yeah. that he loved, yeah, exactly. in his own little bubble of reality, right? And that's where the laugh came, right? Which I thought was very beautiful in a weird way. It's everything kind of rubber bands back, mm-hmm. and he's in bed right before it happens. Yeah. You just see him chuckling at yeah. the prospect of it, and then things go as they should. Mm-hmm. Time, you know, time did not refuse to change. Right, as a funny little Easter egg to something else, and. It makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And then and you don't get this your first time watching no, it. No. No. This is no. one of those films that you have to watch. Like I've seen it off and on maybe five times in my life. Mm-hmm. Off and on. And I still it took like till last night for me to actually get it. Like, mm, he this is what needed to be done. Yep. You know what I mean? And like in my in my own exploration of knowledge, I've gained enough knowledge to understand the true point of this movie. Right. That's accepting one's fate and not being bookended onto a onto black or white mm-hmm. love or fear it doesn't that doesn't matter because <laughs> love or because he loved Gretchen but he, and he was afraid that she died right but at the same time he knew what he had to do to make it right right and there was no fear in that it was happiness it was contentment mm-hmm. it was it was comedy almost in a weird way it was it was comedy not in the haha way but in like a like a Greek tragedy yeah almost that he was the chosen one mm-hmm. Apropos to whatever multiverse future he could have possibly had, right. he knew that this causality was never going to stop. Mm-hmm. Going back to what you were saying, oh man, would you record? I know we kind of just laid the whole film out, but I would we, absolutely we always do that, anyway. which is fine. Because <laughs> I'm assuming you've seen this before, mm-hmm. and you're looking for more of a, 
I would say a bit more inside baseball when it comes to these movies. But I do also feel like you need to watch this yourself because mm-hmm. that's explaining it. And just the style of how we do things is very around the world. And you need to see it in action. Because I was thinking, like, I've seen this before. I can just read a synopsis and I'll be mm-hmm. straight. But I was like, no, let me just watch it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Just watch it. And it's, it's the little things. It's the little so many, things. There's so many little things in this movie that really solidify your understanding. Yes. That you know. a that a Wikipedia synopsis is not going to do. Yeah. And it makes you appreciate the, the film more. It reminded me how it's almost a damn near perfect film. Mm-hmm. In its delivery and in its acting and in its, um, just its overall story and its message is trying to tell you. Each character, there's no wasted character in this film. Even the bullies serve a weird purpose yeah. uh, of explaining Donnie's ex- kind of his own mental uh, facility and what's triggering him from Drew Barrymore to nurse, the teacher ratchet, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, the, the, uh, the, I don't want to call her out her name, but, the not the antagonist, but the kind of this the rebel rouser, mm. but in the opposite direction. They all hold so much such power in this movie, and I think without any of them, the story would have been not as rich. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, man, uh, any passing thoughts on Donnie Darko? Possibly one of the most best science fiction slash horror slash coming of age slash films oh. ever. I can handle faith, <laughs> not the little things. No, nice. no, seriously. No, seriously. Uh, uh, no, Dying Darko is one of those films where you, 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 you literally have no choice but to watch it again. Yeah. And it, it really just draws you in. It draws you in. It draws in. you in. I mean, and it just, and again, it, it really plays upon your understanding of Again, like you said, what's real and what's not reality, and because it, you know, it, it really plays upon your idea of perception. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I was thinking that last night, and I thought I was going crazy because I was going through a bit of madman knowledge myself. It's like my reality is not your reality mm-hmm. because what is reality other than brain signals that are being fed through neurons within your skin and body? Sounds so like the Matrix, but yes, very Matrixy, <laughs> and it's. My truth is not your truth because you're seeing it from different eyes. Donnie's truth may be psychosis, may it be true understanding of temporal power. It's not for us to to judge. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the actual decisions he's made that bring us to the beginning, middle, and end of this film. Right. And it just makes you think really deep about what is reality based. What is reality to the next man across across the table from you, or vice versa. Yeah. And it really plays with your ideals of that. It makes you just want to guess. Like you said, this movie draws you in and then it tumbles you about to where whatever you believe in is going to be your interpretation. Right. Right. You so know like, what I mean? Just like Robert Oppenheimer and um, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, damn it. Why can't I think of his name? Uh, shit. Professor Frank? No. Um, he makes you laugh, he makes you think? No, 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 no. Never mind. Forget it. <laughs> nice. Cool. Donnie Darko, ladies and gentlemen, 2001. If you have never seen it before, I would give this a high 4.5 out of 5. Only thing that I, only reason it keeps it perfect from me is a, is just a little bit of story progression. Just, and that's, and I am nitpicking here. Uh, and a little bit, 
there could have been some characters who could have been downplayed and a little couple of characters who could have been um, pushed forward. So I would definitely give it a 4.5 out of 5. It's damn near perfect. If you're a science fiction head, if you're a psychology major, you'll get a kick out of it because it has a lot. It has a lot to teach. Yeah, um, I definitely give it a. I give it a four point. I give it a four point seven out of. Five, yeah, man. Out of five, only because like, and and again, if you've never seen this film before, you're gonna start. Even even with with us talking about it, he's still you, not gonna you, get. You're, it. you're gonna you're gonna <laughs> yeah. You're gonna start by giving this film probably a two. Yeah, because it's a slow burn. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a real slow burn. It's not it's it's not an attention grabber, but it's it's not firecracker. It's incense. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's it's not going to wake you up, but it's going to it's going to it's it's like a siren song. It's going to draw you in, and you're going to start in the in that smell is just going to build and become more layered and detailed. And you're like, I'm gonna burn that incense again. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's that kind of film. Yeah. It's just, it draws, like you said, it draws you in slowly and you're going to just wake up one night and say, wait, what? And you're going to just want to watch it again. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of, it's that kind of beauty, man. Oh man. Where can we find you? You can find me at Beer Business Bureau on Facebook, at yes. Beer B Bureau on Twitter and Beer Business Bureau on Instagram. Nice, nice, nice. You can always find this, uh, I would say genetic aberration of a podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, and iHeartRadio. Please leave a like, comment, and hopefully subscribe. Now, I don't know if I'm going to make this a thing, but I do kind of want to. Darren, if you were to design a beer for Donnie Darko, where do you think you would start? Oh, actually, this would be an amalgam of things. Yes. Um, it, would, it would probably... I love this. This is cool. This With Donnie... Darko, um, it would have shit. Um, okay, no, it wouldn't have to be a Malcolm of things because that's really hard to do. And just like making this fucking film, yeah, right? And watching this film, but um, if anything, a beer with this movie would have to be a stout. Absolutely, I was thinking the same thing. And the reason why is because with a stout, especially with an imperial stout. You have to really like let sip on it mm-hmm. to really get the complexities of it. Yes, and stouts like imperial stouts are very complex unless unless they're by stone and they're not. They're just very malty, right? But anyway, uh, yeah. So it have to be an imperial stout, like really high, like a, like a okay, either imperial stout or a Belgian, like some sort of like a Belgian ale, like a Belgian quadruple. Nice. Which are very, which are very complex. Yes, extremely complex. You don't, you're not pounding these with the buddies. You're sipping on this while reading a book. Yeah, you exactly. know what I'm saying. Yep. You have, you can't. This isn't like popcorn. This isn't a popcorn, you know, beer. This is, I'm having this with a nice steak. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah dude, I feel that. Or a fresca pasta. Uh, oh, you're making me hungry. <laughs> After this podcast, I'm gonna eat and then sleep in that order. Uh, any. Any passing thoughts before we close this bad boy out? Um, perception is reality. Perception is reality, ladies and gentlemen. It's not a lie if you believe it. <laughs> Sorry, it has nothing to do with the show or the podcast. I just love me some Costanza. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Mike G. <laughs> and I'll always ask you to look towards the skies. Look towards the skis.
Introducing the amazing iPhone XS you'll love on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. It's the perfect way to stay connected to those you heart most. Fall in love with iPhone XS on T-Mobile. And right now, trade in an eligible iPhone and you'll save $300. Visit a store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE. If you cancel service, remaining balance is due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. $279.99 down plus $30 per month times $24. Full price $999.99. 0% APR for well-qualified buyers plus tax on full price. Allow eight weeks for rebate. Introducing the amazing iPhone XS you'll love on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. It's the perfect way to stay connected to those you heart most. Fall in love with iPhone XS on T-Mobile. And right now, trade in an eligible iPhone and you'll save $300. Visit a store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE. If you cancel service, remaining balance is due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. $279.99 down plus $30 per month times $24. Full price $999.99. 0% APR for well-qualified buyers plus tax on full price. Allow eight weeks for rebate.